And I also wanted an advisor that would, you know, have a more mathematical component to the research I would conduct. Because I always knew I wanted to do that. I wanted to like lean into that side. So I ended up going to, you know, Texas A&M University and you know, funny enough, or not funny enough, I mean, it was kind of planned, but I got into like, I got on a project that was basically using machine learning to like model fractures in um, unconventional reservoirs. So that was where it started. My guest today started her academic journey in geology and geosciences, going on to later complete an advanced degree in the field at the Texas A&M University. Her work experiences has hovered around the oil and gas sector working as an upstream analyst for BP to investment banking as a financial analyst for Goldman Sachs. Today, she has found herself at the intersection of a data-rich environment that has leveraged all of these experiences and her domain knowledge masterfully. Working as a technical product manager at S&P Global, an intelligence company focused on an array of data products, she is focused on the upstream North American division dealing with intelligent insights for commodities. My guest today is Peace Eve. Welcome to the show, Peace. How are you doing today? Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well, having, having a good time, enjoying the summer. So yeah, it's going well. How are you? I'm doing great. New York is lovely. Enjoying the summer. Nice. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's so great to have you on. Great to sort of hear from this sort of geology commodities background, and you've kind of like dabbled around in the finance sector and sort of found yourself in this new area. So, I want to hear about your journey. What first of all inspired you to want to go down this geology geoscience track, and then how did you find yourself in Goldman Sachs and now at S and P Global? Okay, um, so growing up, I was always I was always good at math. But I was also very creative. So I used to draw. So back then, the perfect combination was architecture. So I actually started off as an architecture major in college. But then when I got there, I realized that I was spending a lot of time doing more of like art classes, design classes, and there wasn't really enough math for me or like science for me. So I started to explore, ask questions. And, you know, coincidentally, I took geology like during, um, you know, high school and A-levels and I always did well. I really enjoyed it. But back then, I never even knew it was like a potential career path. So basically, after like asking questions, I stumbled across geology. Um, this was also in my first semester of college. And I really liked it because it was you know, very much science. You have to do all of the science courses. But then it was also um, artistic to me because it's a lot of interpretation. You might give five geologists, you know, the same data set and they all come up with different answers. So I really like the fact that I could apply, um, you know, science, math, but also still have the creative element to it. So I ended up, um, you know, switching my major into geology in my first semester of college. And I, I did that all the way up to... Um, you know, I finished, but I also did math as a minor because, you know, I just really loved all of that. So um, in my last semester of college, it was time to basically, you know, decide, did I want to go work first or do I want to go get my master's? Because um, especially in the field of petroleum geology, you kind of need your master's. It's one of those. You're not like qualified in quote yet until you get your master's degree. So um, basically, I started going to conferences, talking to people. And then I stumbled into the finance space. I started to learn more about it. And, I, you know, I decided that let me let me 
go out of what I'm used to, see if there's something else I would enjoy before I commit myself to this, um, you know, second degree in the same topic. So basically, that was why I decided to go into um, finance. Um, I ended up working as a synthetic trade analyst at Goldman Sachs. So I learned a lot about the swap products in that um, role. There was a lot of, you know, risk um, analysis. You had to like um, you know, resolve breaks that would happen on client accounts. You would have to work with the trading desk, have to talk with like different teams internally. So I think for me, it was the perfect, you know, experience, especially someone going into a new industry to learn a little bit about everything. But then um, after some time, I decided to go back and get my master's in geology, I think for two main reasons. First of all, I wanted to complete what I started. You know, like I said, I just wanted to have you know, feel like, okay, I'm a geologist. I've done all the work I was supposed to. And then at the same time, um, my role in finance was more operations based. So I kind of missed the um, process of having a project and building something from start to finish. And my geology, um, you know, work and working in that field would have given me that. So essentially that's why, you know, I decided to move on back to that area. So now my, um, I guess, my foray into the world of data, data science, machine learning, whatever you may call it. I got into, whenever I was applying to um, graduate schools, I was looking for a school that was, you know, that had a good name in petroleum geology, because, you know, you want to be intentional about those things going forward. And I also wanted an advisor that would, you know, have a more mathematical component to the research I would conduct, because I always knew I wanted to do that. I wanted to, like, lean into that side. So I ended up going to, you know, Texas A&M University and, you know, funny enough, or not funny enough, I mean, it was kind of planned, but I got into like, I got on a project that was basically using machine learning to like model fractures in um, unconventional reservoirs. So that was where it started. I had never, um, you know, I never, I didn't know anything about machine learning. I had taken one um, computer science class in undergrad, but I'll be honest. <laughs> it, yeah, I was not the best at that. But anyway, I had to learn all those things, right? It was like I was put in that position and I put myself there so I could learn. And I ended up falling in love with it because it was, um, like I said, you know, it's the math. You have to figure out how to improve your models, but it's also creativity. You have to, you know, explore different ways to do a problem. So that's why I ended up really liking it. Um, I had an internship, data analytics internship. Um, I also had a geology internship, so I was able to experience both of those. And then ultimately, I ended up coming into um, the technical product manager role after graduation. And I wouldn't necessarily say I, I sought this role out. It came to me. And I love the fact that, you know, you could be working on several projects at a time. So, you know, it's project based as well. And I was going to be able to apply my domain knowledge in geology you know, in the tech field. So to me, it was like a perfect, perfect role. Wow, what a journey. It sounds like at some point you could have even gone up down the whole data scientists, machine learning mm -hmm. if you wanted to, but then you got drawn to this uh, product management role. So how do you see your career then evolving given your commodities, geology background, and now you're doing like this technical product manager role. And then maybe actually break down to us what you mean by technical product management, because obviously titles vary company to company in terms of what you're mm -hmm. actually doing and what it means. So maybe break that down to us and then take us on the journey of what does that lead to with your rich and diverse background? Okay, um, so my role now, technical product manager, um, what I do in this role, my my team, we basically manage um, data sets for 
oil and gas. Um, for example, we manage like well log data, which an oil company would use to be able to determine, you know, where we have like sandstone, which could be a potential oil reservoir. We, you know, to like seismic data, which basically shows us what the underground looks like. So these are all different kinds of data sets that geologists would have to analyze to figure out what's going underground and then with you know whatever fields they want to explore or drill in. So the technical in that piece for me is because of my expertise or my domain knowledge in those data sets. So you know anyone could handle a database, but it would be nice for teams because it's directly correlated to what a well log is, you know, that type of thing. Also the technical is that you know I'm also working with developers where you know working on databases where developing software for clients to also use our products. And I even get to do um, machine learning in this case. So I'm not the one building the models, but I have the data sets. I know the right data sets that would, you know, that would best be used to go into um, such models. So I think my, um, my, my knowledge in geology, in machine learning, all of that is coming helpful in this um, role I have right now. And then um, I think your, your question is how I see my career progressing. So um, Honestly, I think I would still um, I would still want to pursue something where I'm leaning heavily into the like data science, um, maybe machine learning um, specifically, um, you know, focused route because I do love the process of you know you have a bunch of data. Okay, like what do we do with this now? I love the problem problem solving part of it. I love like you know going in doing the dirty work, um, you know, tuning hyperparameters, seeing what works. Being a technical product manager is also um, something I enjoy. So ideally, my goal would be to dig a little bit more deeper into the machine learning part, but also be able to have the expertise to, you know, carry a product through towards, um, you know, fruition. So I don't know what that looks like right now, but that's those two would be a good combination. Awesome. So in your experience, what has it been like working as a product manager from the perspective that do you feel a strong sense of ownership with the products that you're overseeing? Or is it challenging to sort of like work with people that are not your direct reports, but you need to sort of like be able to sort of influence them and help people, you know, get the best out of what you're trying to build? Like, what has that experience been like for you? Um. I think um, as a product manager, to me, the, the most difficult thing is everyone thinking you should know the answer to everything, right? So you're you're kind of like, you know, guiding your, your, you know, guiding the ship there. You have people who are working on different things and then people expect you to know everything. So I think I struggled with that in the beginning. But what I'm learning is that our job is to ask questions. You know, if you don't know the answer to something, you reach out to other people and provide the answers to people necessary and you know you just keep moving the ship forward and then in terms of um ownership or I guess you know guiding people who yeah who are not so subordinate is not the word but um yeah I think for me I've I try to show people the value in what I'm I'm doing if I were a saleswoman that's the kind of saleswoman I would be I'll explain to you why xyz should be the best method and try to get you as a believer and then we move forward from there because I don't believe in forcing people to do things or I, I believe in just showing value and I think once people see the value in front of them they'll be eager to move forward so we spoke about earlier I mentioned that you're SMP global and you work sort of 
trying to unlock insights within the commodity space. So can you walk us through like what's the impact of what you do? Like who's your end consumer? What's that whole channel process like? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, um, you know, like I said, I work with oil and gas data specifically. And if we were to be more specific, I work with subsurface data, which is basically information that will give you, um, data gives you information about what's going on under the ground. So um, our conventional clients would be oil and gas companies who need information to assess um, a particular field or a particular piece of land and determine if they want to go forward and, you know, draw out hydrocarbons for, from there, or if there's even like oil in there to, to begin with in the first place. You know, banks as well, people who are trying to make investment decisions would be our clients as well. And the data is very much impactful because, as you know, the oil and gas business is expensive. It costs a lot to drill a well, but you also make a lot of money off this. So the impact is definitely there in terms of, you know, business decisions. If we're talking about economies, fossil fuels are very important for driving things forward. Now, if we were to move on to the other side of things, you know, the world is currently going through an energy transition. And so this means reducing our carbon footprint on the earth. So that could be, um, you know, creating energy efficient buildings or getting people to drive electric vehicles, which would ultimately reduce the amount of carbon we're putting into the environment. On the flip side, we do have a lot of carbon already in there. So people have to figure out a way to put that carbon somewhere to store it. And then that's where the geologists who we sell data to are, you know, that's where they come in. They actually use these same data sets they used to understand the subsurface for oil and gas purposes to then figure out, okay, where can we, um, you know, what is an empty field where we've already taken the oil and gas out and can we put carbon in there and hold it in there so that it doesn't come back up into the environment. So I think um, our clients and we as a company would play, we're playing a very significant role in the energy transition and, you know, the process of saving our planet. And I think that's what really excites me about the role as well. So, okay, I don't, you know, I'm not deep into oil and gas. I'm so <laughs> very curious here. Um, let me know if you can answer this or if it's like intelligence or something. I'm curious where you get your data from, from the mm -hmm. perspective that, you know, countries in the world, when I think of countries in the world that have lots of oil and gas, um, you know, sometimes they're um, on different continents, Middle East, Africa. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, like, how are you getting your data in the first place? Um, is it reliable? Like, how do you know, you know, you talked about subsurface data. I'm just curious what that whole pipeline process is like for you uh, and mm -hmm. just try to understand that a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So typically, whenever um, oil and gas companies, they, you know, drill a well, they do like a well log test or something, they have to go in there and they actually have to report the data to a state or some organization in some form. So that's mostly how we get our data sets from basically state reported data or data that's out there. There are also national um, databases, public access databases where we get, get the data from. So we take all this information from, you know, places all around the world. And, you know, obviously the data we have would depend on the region we're interested in. So we take all that data internally, we queue to the data, and we even apply some analytics to enrich the data, depending on, you know, what clients are looking for. So yeah, that's, that's a typical process. So in essence, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the data is there, it's available, you can either mm -hmm. purchase it or it's open source, etc. But you, the proprietary aspect of it is the stuff that you guys are doing internally to enrich the data, which obviously you can't tell us. Is that mm -hmm. right? Um, I would say it's both. 
man, okay, so where do I start from? So there is, for example, if I were to go into um, just, I guess, one nuanced example, whenever you um, log a well, you're basically putting something into scan if you have, um, you know, different sets of like rocks in there. So you know where to find your hydrocarbons. Sometimes this could be digital where I could just upload this data. Like it's just going to be in a file. I upload it into like a um, geo modeling software and it's already there ready for me to use. On the other hand, it could be a paper log. Sometimes it comes like in a paper and it's like 2022. No one wants to work with that anymore. So an example of something we would do is actually digitize that paper log so that instead of someone working on paper, it's already a digital file you can just upload into a software. So that was just um, one example of one of the things we'll do like with the data sets we get. Very cool. Um, and so you haven't come from like a conventional computer science or machine learning background. How do you think like your perspective and experiences have helped you in your current role that you sit within now? Um, I think for me, I think I bring, I guess, creativity into it. I think geologists are very creative people. Funny enough, I, I, I think I've posted about this before, but I think most of what we were doing, or if I say the petroleum geologist specifically, all we do is analyze data. So everything I've talked about, we basically have to look at it and, you know, make decisions. And this is what has been going on for years for people to be able to even say, oh, let's go to that particular spot and let's drill that well. So I think I bring a good combination of like data analysis and creativity to the plates because, you know, um, we're very visual people. We love maps, we love charts, graphs, anything like that. So sometimes I think it's easy for me to, you know, look at something and be like, okay, I see some trends here and, you know, it helps me decide what I want to do with the data set. But I think ultimately on any team or group of people you're working with, it's always nice to have like different perspectives. People are not going to see things the same way. So it's just nice to have people from different backgrounds, honestly. So looking long term in that industry then, because obviously things are evolving and you're getting more, you know, automated machine learning models, et cetera. Do you see like, do you think that your, you know, this geology space will suffer from more automation or even what you do? Like, do you see yourself being replaced by a lot more technology or are there aspects to it that you just feel like you need a human in the loop regardless mm-hmm. of how does that space look like to you? If you're asking me um, specifically about the geology world, um, I think, you know, data science, machine learning, all of that is going to help us. Definitely, I think a lot of things are going to be automated, but ultimately, I think the human perspective is definitely relevant. We're going to be needed always. For example, like if you were just picking out, you know, if you are making a correlation based on geological data, Sometimes a model might not be able to tell there is a fault in there, which is basically a potential way that carbon you're putting in the ground could escape onto the earth. So it's just like nuances like this. Obviously, technology is being developed to, um, you know, improve this. I'm sure there's already technology to detect things like that. But our perspective is always needed because we tell we tell the machines what to do, you know, so, so they can help us with our roles. So, yeah, I, I see getting, you know, automated to a certain point, but I think we're still relevant. 
And, you know, you mentioned ESG previously, and there's lots of things, and, you know, ESG just generally in the, invest, in the mm-hmm. investment uh, finance space important. Obviously, it's an area you touch upon as well. So I'm curious, what, what ideas or areas do you think are very interesting for the future that you don't feel enough people are paying attention to yet? And it could be in the geology, like it could cross any of the spaces you've worked within, but just curious to hear your perspective. Like, okay, you think this is really interesting for the future or you're really excited about this technology for the future. Is there anything like that? I mean, um, I guess I'm biased because this is in my space, but I'm really fascinated about the, the carbon storage process. So basically what I talked about or let me start from like carbon capture and then storage. Because whenever you do, for example, if there's um, an oil or gas plant, you know, they emit a lot of um, carbon because whenever we have production, but this is all mixed up with other um, other gases in there. So the chemicals, chemical engineers have, have to figure out how to like separate all of that. Mechanical engineers have to build machinery for that and to be able to, to transport it. Geologists, mechanical engineers, different disciplines have to come together and we haven't quite figured everything out. So I think I'm really um, excited about that space. Um, if we're talking about the general population, um, energy efficient buildings, no one talks enough about that, things like that. Even I'm curious to see how the electric vehicle adoption is going to go in the next few years. I feel like people are fighting it now, but you know, a lot of people are also starting to embrace it. For example, you know, with Tesla, I'm seeing so many Teslas on the road. So yeah, I'm curious as to how that's all going to go. And I think the interesting thing about this problem is no one knows all the answers. I was recently at an energy conference, um, Sarah Week, which is actually hosted by S&P Global. And that was basically my takeaway. It's like we're all trying to figure this out. So, yeah, I'm excited for the future. Very cool. So want to hear more about like your career sort of, you know, the process of actually finding your internships and securing it. A lot of people mm-hmm. um, have difficulty actually, especially, you know, starting early in their career. Like how do you go about securing the internship? Um, how did you go about securing your current role? Any tips and advice you would offer um, from your perspective? Um, would love you to share more on that. Okay, so um, I think the first thing will be to determine, I guess, what you want to do. So, um, you know, for example, if we're looking at a computer scientist, they could end up being a software engineer, data scientist, product manager. So, you know, first of all, like figuring out the route you want to go with. I would also say um, networking is very important and not not just because, you know, you want to get a job from people, but really to understand, like, what do you do in your role? Like, you know, you, you want to understand those kind of things. And, you know, obviously this burdens your network and this improves your, your chances. And then um, also attending um, conferences. So I think this one is really underrated with people because a conference, um, people host conferences all the time and recruiters are there. Like they're basically going to hold your resume in front of you and you get to talk to them. You get to express yourself. And I think that played a good advantage to me because if someone picks up my resume, you know, geology degree, it might not be clear to them, (laughs) but then, you know, once I talk to them and I can talk to them about some of my, you know, analytics projects, my data science projects, they're able to see what my value is. So I think getting in front of people is very important whenever you're, you know, looking for a job, looking for an internship. And then also um, you, decided to get a master's because it was relevant for the geology field do you feel the same way about tech and 
again, do you think if you went down this sort of machine learning sort of route in the future, maybe a PhD might be useful as well? What do you think about that whole um, academic progression as well? Do you think it's going to be relevant? Do you think it's useful? What are your thoughts on it? Um, I think it depends on the person and what they want to do long term. So I think if you want to specialize and really like go down into a topic, then a PhD would be great for you. But I think if you you, you you kind of want to remain like maybe a generalist. Obviously, you know, you're going to probably have a master's thesis if you if you go that route. But I think a master's would be more um, suited for someone who's, who isn't trying to become a specialist or, you know, become like a research person ultimately. But then again, you know, if you start working and you figure out, oh, I want to learn more about this topic, then, you know, that could determine how you want to go. As for myself right now, um, I chose a master's degree because I knew I didn't want to like, I knew I wanted to work in industry um, in regards to geology. I didn't want to um, go into academia or become like a research geologist per se. I'm interested in like seeing all different kinds of problems. So, you know, being able to have that opportunity to just be kind of a generalist um, appealed to me. Okay, and so what do you think is most challenging? Because you've spoken a lot about the positives of your role, the industry. Mm -hmm. What do you think is most challenging about what you do and how can someone prepare if this is a path they want to pursue? Okay, Um, so being a technical product manager, um, hands down to me, it would be the, to me, there is a a lack of structure that you would get if you were, um, let's say, I don't know, for example, um, if I was being like a, like an actual geologist. So in this role, I'm touching on different projects at the same time. I'm handling, um, you know, issues as they come in. But I would say there is more structure on like if I was actually the one working on the project. So I know I have to do X, Y, Z to get X, Y, Z. And but then with the product manager role, it could be, you know, it's a different day every day. It's nice. That's the beauty of it. But it's also different um, from what I'm used to. And then another thing would be like seeing the value of your work sometimes. So, you know, for example, if you were building a model, doing some hyperparameter tuning and your, you know, your score was improving, you'd be like, oh, okay, like it's some form of immediate like reward. But with a product manager, you'd be working on something for a long time and you don't even get to understand how good or how beneficial that was unless maybe you hear back, you know, from like clients and all of that. So um, those are some of the challenges. And then um, obviously diversity is still something we're improving, we're improving, but this is something, you know, it's still, we still have a lot of work to do, but yeah, I'm happy for, you know, organizations out there that are helping to push, push diversity first. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, you are proof that there is something happening Mm -hmm. and there is more of that happening within the tech sector as well. Um, So on your journey to getting here, what do you think or who do you think have been the most sort of influential uh, people or even books or ideas um, on your life so far? Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, I guess in general, my mom has been my inspiration because she's just very, she's very hardworking. She's a go-getter. There's no such thing as no to her. So it just reminds me, like, if I want something, no matter how hard the work I need to put is put in is, I just, you know, have to do it. So that's um, something she's definitely given me. Um, I'll say in terms of books, I really enjoy um, Daring Greatly 
by Brene Brown. She's a psychology researcher and she studies the study studies like um, the topic of shame and vulnerability. And I think that's something important for everyone to know, you know, know when to be vulnerable, especially in this journey. You need to know when to ask questions, you know, you don't know everything. So yeah, it's just a um, really good book. And then I also like um, Naked Statistics by Ch Charles Whelan. I think anyone who's interested in numbers, statistics, any of those topics should read that book because it's explained statistics in a very like everyday manner. But then you realize how much some numbers or metrics that you, you see or get reported to you are not actually reporting what's actually there. So yeah, it's just, it just keeps your mind active as a you know person in the data field, basically. This is awesome. Um, you know, I'm now thinking, you know, just a summary on this, like you have come from, you know, arguably a non-technical technology background and you find yourself in this very data-rich tech role that has utilized your experience in such a great way that makes you relevant um, and makes your perspective super relevant to the industry you're in as well. So if someone else is listening to this and they're like, oh, you know, I really am into all of this, what advice would you give to them, especially reflect on what would you like to have heard someone else tell you um, along your journey to getting here? Mm -hmm. um, I think first thing to know is to um, prepare your mind on what you want. To me, I think everything is a mind game, like everything is in your mind. So, you know, you want to go this route, you know understand that it's going to take some work, you know, you're going to have to learn new things you didn't understand. It's going to be tough, but, you know, ultimately just like keep pushing through. I think that's the most important. And then also seek help from like, you know, resources. We're very privileged that right now I can literally like Google, um, you know, how to learn X, Y, Z and a video comes up. So, um, you know, leverage those. Um, if you're particularly interested in the data space, um, there are many courses on like Udemy, DataCamp. Um, if you're coding, Stack Overflow. That was Stack Overflow really helped me <laughs> when I was learning how to code. So yeah, like people just providing their you know opinions of on how to solve a problem there. Um, YouTube is also helpful, and not just for the technical knowledge on how to do your work, but also hearing from people, hearing from their experiences hearing perspectives. Sometimes you might not be able to get in front of, you know, someone like I suggested. You might not know any data scientists in your world, but if you go on YouTube, there are so many people out there who are ready to give you advice. So I'll say ultimately, um, you know, work hard, realize it's, it's going to be challenging, but just remember, you know, to keep pushing and then also connect with people and try to hear different perspectives. Yeah. yeah that's really cool advice. I was going to say, I think Stack Overflow is still relevant for people. I Yes. <laughs> not just when they're learning to go um yeah very cool um and so you mentioned some resources already but you know maybe call out top three from a careers perspective as well what you know are the best resources that have helped you along the way as well um I would say um I really like data camp I think if anyone especially if you're a beginner it's very intuitive after each lesson they give you like problems to solve so you're actually just practicing on the goal. So um, that's a really good one. Um, let's see. I mean, your university, I don't know if we're talking about, if anyone is in college here, make sure you try to take the class, you know, the classes that would help you. So for example, if your school is offering like a introduction to Python type course, 
It might be hard. It might affect your GPA. But if you know this is something you really want to do, just go in and, you know, try to do it, knowing that at the end of it, you come out better and you understand um, something new. And then let's see, Coursera has a bunch of courses. Um, I know people talk a lot. This is what I'm actually exploring right now, but there's a data science professional certificate. It's pretty um, beginner level. So if you're interested in that route, you're able to basically progress over time and improve your skills. But in a way, you know, anyone is able to pick up on it. So I think being specific, those, those would be three different resources. Thank you. And where can our listeners connect with you online? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Peace Easy. Last name, Easy E. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Peace. It's been awesome catching up with you and we wish you every success for now and the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so great. <laughs> <laughs>